Great. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Hancock, the Chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group. Welcome to today's call. And, uh, you know, we've got people from different parts of the world on the call, as per usual. And today we're going to be talking about something which I just mentioned to everybody is probably one of the more simple topics we cover in many respects, but also one of the more um, overlooked topics that people are definitely overlooking. And it's easy to throw this to the back and, and not look at it very much. So today we're going to have a pretty in-depth look at the world of environment and particularly the environment that we create for ourselves in life and in business. So let's jump underway. Slide shows up. Everybody should be able to see that. So how your environment really controls not only your success, results, life, but everything around you. And yet we tend to think that our environment happens to us rather than our, us controlling our environment. Hi, Arnie. Great to see you on the call here. Now, I think you guys on this call probably get sick of seeing photos on my Facebook of me in swimming pools, Lundy and I traveling here or sitting with some animal there or something like that. But there are rooms, uh, there is room for this as well and reason for it, I should say. So as we get underway, we're going to have a look at why we do what we do. Not saying that what we do is necessarily the best way to do it, but it's worked very well for us for a number of years and kept me sane and on the, wrong, on the right side of the tracks. The, the starting point for us is our calendar. Now, around about every September, we start to plan our calendar for the coming year. Uh, this is sort of like a, a nightmare for Kirsten when she sees our calendar. It's a lot more busy than the, the picture you see on the screen. But the point I wanted to put out to you here is those sort of uh, grey-blue lines that you see in particularly January and December of, of 2022, they're holidays. So before we even get started in a year, um, we plan out our holidays. So the first thing Shazar said to me today as she was waiting for the call to start were, how are your holidays? The reason why is because it's the first call I'm on after one of these blocked series of holidays. And yet I find that most people um, still to this day think that they can't take holidays because they have to run their business. Now, this is an extraordinary year for us because we are getting married. We have a honeymoon that we're putting in later in the year as well. But I can't tell you how much you'll benefit from yearly planning and actually blocking out your holidays to start the year with. And then from your holidays, you'll see that the other things that we do here is that we put in basically our events um, after that. And these are fixed events. You'll see masterminds in there that we're doing and things like that. And then other events that other events that we've got on. And then we work around this model. So everything else sort of fits around the model. So by that, we are actually creating, number one, our environment of our lifestyle. This is a lifestyle environment that we're creating simply by starting with a calendar system. So, you know, feel free to take screenshots if you want to take screenshots and, and uh, you know, utilize this for yourselves or, or do something similar as we go through. But more globally, here are four spiritual environments that we as human beings tend to relate to. On the top left there, you have a desert environment. On the top right, you have an ocean environment. 
bottom left, you have a forest environment and bottom right, you have a mountain environment. So what I want you to do is just go to jump to the chat now and tell me which are your top two favorite environments that you like to hang out in. Maybe for you, it's the forest and the mountains or maybe the forest and the desert or something like that. Let's just see how different people are different. Philippe says the mountain and the ocean. Sarah says the forest and the ocean. So already we've got small differences there. Then we've got Kirsten, forest and mountain. Diane, ocean and forest. Arnie, uh, ocean and mountain. Shazar, desert, forest, but also ocean. You're allowed to have three. Forest and ocean, right? There's no right or wrong answer here. The thing is that what are we doing to continually bring these type of environments into our life? So, for instance, um, Arnie, if I pick, uh, pick up on you, ocean and the mountain. So when you're in London, for instance, which uh, there's not a lot of mountains in London, so it's really tough to serve your inner spiritual environment that makes you feel at peace and happiness if, you know, you can't be near mountains. Now, ocean's number one. So a trip to Brighton or to the ocean or, or anywhere like that is going to serve you very, very well. But those different environments also, um, yeah, okay, there's Philip. Uh, interesting, you haven't been to either for some time. And there's a good learning for you, Philip, as well, is, you know, you live in Wellington, ocean's number two. There's lots of great forests around Wellington as well, even just to poke your nose in and uh, head up to the Wairapa for the weekend and do something like that. We have to ground in an environment that is our spiritual home. And for instance, for Lundy and me, it's ocean number one, desert number two. Now, um, Shazar's probably my only desert friend here. No, Andrew's got a desert in there, I see, up, up there. So, you know, we're very lucky in living in Cape Town is that we get to serve those two environments very much. So that's why we feel pretty grounded, I think, a lot of the time. And often it's as simple as, just like what Philip said here, that he hasn't been to either of his you know, favorite areas for some time, particularly your number one is the one that you should focus on, which is your forest, Philip. Um, if you feel slightly out of sorts, if you're not sure what's quite wrong, if things aren't going necessarily the way that you want them to go, then um, most definitely you should jump into that environment as soon as you can. And the ocean for us is interestingly doesn't mean that we have to be in it. So just the same as a forest or a desert doesn't mean that you have to be in it. I mean, we live right on the ocean. If I look to my right now, I see, I see the ocean. We've got 40 kilometers of oceanfront coast in front of us. But, you know, occasionally we walk on the beach. Sometimes we go down for a sunset. But, you know, we, just having the ocean there all of the time is incredibly grounding. So make a note for yourself before we move on to of you know what your favorite area is at the most and then make sure that you actually take some time to spend in that or if it's absolutely impossible to do that for instance you live in the netherlands and there's no desert in the netherlands then from there make sure that you watch some documentaries that you look at some photos that you realign with that as well um the bushveld andrew says yeah absolutely 
Well, to me, that's that's a desert style of environment rather than a forest style of in, environment. But uh, pick one. These are the four main ones that you get to choose from. But of course, like all main things, there's always minor things as well. Let's move on. I'm interested to know out of these, which do you feel is um, an environment that is quite productive? In other words, which is a good productive environment out of these three photos? Just assume this is number one, the big photo, then the top photo is number two, and then the get shit done photo is number three. Which is the most productive environment? Sarah says number three. I love that. Kirsten, number three. Philip, number one. Depends on what you want to get done. <laughs> Ever the politician, Andrew. You thought about getting into politics? Shazar, number two. Depends on what I do. Okay, Philippe, number one. So, okay, we've got some, we've got some great answers there. This is a trick question. The answer is not really any of them. And I'm going to explain why. And these are, these are little traps that we fall into. Now, I'm not going to suggest that you can't operate in these environments, but I am going to suggest that, um, you know, maybe there's other ways to do this. So the big picture here, the first picture, number one, this is what Landy and I call the white wall, okay? So it's very, very difficult to be creative when you spend all day basically staring at a white wall that's, you know, a meter at most away from you. It's very difficult to think. It's very difficult to plan. It's very difficult to be creative in that environment. When we go to number two there, which is the co-working space, this is a great social space. But for most of us, it's tough to concentrate it's easy to get distracted. It's um, sometimes not the right space to have meetings, et cetera, for privacy. But for the most part, it's the distractions that will probably limit our workspace to a large degree. So the other thing is you may not be comfortable and your environment constantly changes because people are constantly changing. It's not like an office where you get to work and see the same people every day like you did in your corporate life. In the co-working space, a lot of people change a lot of the time. Then, of course, there's people coming in and out for meetings, people hogging the coffee machine, all of that sort of stuff. Now, I'm not against co-working spaces. I'm actually all for them. I think they have a great need, but it's not necessarily the best space. Number three, well, number one, you're up against the wall there, but Sarah, getting shit done... <laughs> <laughs> is not focusing on getting creative quality stuff done, right? So you might find that when you're in this environment that you get a lot of shit done, but it's not actually very productive. Um, in, you tick a lot of boxes. It's, it's to-do list mentality. So just have that awareness that a lot of people have these mantras written around them. And I picked <laughs> that one, which was a, a great one that, uh, that I saw there. But these mantras don't necessarily serve us because they're focusing us perhaps on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Now, there's no doubt that the workspace in all of these three environments is good. You know, it's, it's not a destructive workspace. If you look at number one, you may be against a white wall, but you put your laptop there. It's not a lot to distract you from. The co-working space is generally pretty clean and people don't leave stuff hanging around there. And the third space is neat and tidy. But 
There's a reason why I want to just focus you on getting some other type of space that you don't have to work in all of the time, but definitely you can add into it. If you look at the picture on the right here, you'll see a really nice workspace. The workspace is there. It's very similar to the other workspaces in that it's a, a desk with a few things on it and a comfy chair. But this one has aspect. This one has view. Now, this is a great um, a great uh, position for a forest environment person because they're not in the forest here, but they can see the forest. So it's a fantastic environment. But the reason why this is such a great environment for us as entrepreneurs is because of our pineal gland, the eye of Horus, as it's called, right? So the pineal gland is the thing that basically creates our activity and um, not our activity, our, our creativity. That's what I'm trying to say. Create our creativity. So when we work in picture one or picture three that you saw before, where a desk is pushed up against the wall and we've got that white wall scenario, it's very, very similar to us trying to watch a movie on our cell phone. And whilst we can watch a movie on our cell phone, you know, there's a big difference to watching Top Gun Maverick on our cell phone and going to the cinema and seeing it on the big screen. The experience is entirely different. So what you want to do is you want to utilize the reason why movies are shown on big screens and actually, even in this day and age, when everybody's, you know, look at you, most of you have probably got a 55-inch television in your house. You haven't got a 12-inch television in your house. There's a reason because the experience is so much more for you. It's so much more real. So by having a, a desk with some aspect, a workspace with some aspect, and it doesn't matter, Philip, whether you've got a studio that you're working in where you're sculpting, but it has some aspect, that aspect is going to give you so much creativity and it's going to allow you to be a, a deeper thinker at work because it's going to pop open your pineal gland and that pineal gland is going to stimulate your creativity, stimulate your right brain and help you solve many more problems. You'll solve a lot more problems with that view than you will literally staring at a white wall. So with that, let's have a look more at our environments. I wanted to pick on Singapore for one particular reason. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about Singapore, but um, just quickly in the chat, who has been to Singapore? Let me just uh, see. Whilst you're typing that in, Andrew says, uh, biophilia or the use of plants internally is crucially important if you can't get aspect. Absolutely to a point. And we'll, we'll find out about that yet soon. Shazar says, yes. Philippe says, not yet. So, so far, two of you, one's been there. So fifth, let's just say 50% of you have been to Singapore and 50% of you haven't. Okay, not for 30 years. Boy, has it changed, Andrew. No, Arnie, that surprises me, actually. I think you'd enjoy it. Um, yes, Bean. Okay, great. So, perfect. So, the thing about Singapore is it is the city in the world that has been designed on feng shui principles. Um, which basically means wind and water. Feng shui means wind and water principles. It's the principles of the elements. It's the principles of being um, fitting in with the natural environment and being part of the natural environment. So there's a, there's a building in Singapore. 
um, for instance, uh, two banks, and it's on uh, uh, one of the keys there, not Clark Key, Boat Key, which is the finance district there. So that building, basically, um, you'll see that it has a big hole in it, a big hole in the middle. So the bank next door doesn't have a big hole in the middle. This bank does have a big hole in the middle. Why is the hole there? The hole's there to let birds fly through the building because that's their natural way, um, rather than having to try and fly over the building. And the architects and the creators of the building felt that by allowing birds to fly through the building, they would be allowing the natural flow of life to happen and they would be at one with the natural flow. So what you're looking at here is what's uh, known as Marina Bay Sands. Marina Bay Sands on the bottom is the casino, believe it or not. Not very um, you know, socially conscious, but that's it. One of the biggest casinos in Asia sits basically underground under there. Those three buildings you see there are basically uh, hotels. And then on top, you see a big boat. And that's the swimming pool, bars, and sort of nightclub area up there. Um, in, the foreground, in the background, you see some seashells there. In the foreground, you see the lotus flower on the left. And this is called the pavilion down the, the bottom there. And on the 7th of the 7th, 2007, I played at a concert called, um, what was it called? Jeepers, just a World Fest or something like that. Green Fest it was Green Fest Conference. Madonna was there, U2 was there, uh, Bon Jovi was there, Mike Hancock was there, and it, and it happened in the Singapore Harbour right there, right on, on those steps with the, with the bands and everything out, uh, out on the water. Um, don't worry, I wasn't playing with Madonna or any of those uh, type of people. They were actually at other venues around the world. I was playing with the Asian rock stars. So, um, so that's where I was that day. But the reason I put this photo up is to tell you the story about Marina Bay Sands because when it was designed initially, it was the three buildings with the casino underneath. Um, and as you can see, the, the road basically goes straight in there so you can, you know, you can park underneath, et cetera, et cetera. But Singapore, which was a country, if you don't know anything about it, which was founded in 1965, so it's only 47-odd years old now, 47, 57. 57 odd years now old, that country was founded by Lee Kuan Yew. And then when Marina Bay Sands was designed, Lee Kuan Yew, the founder of Singapore, was a very old man and he's around 90, died at about 92 or 93, I think. And he said, he doesn't want that building. It's not feng shui. Uh, the three things there just look like three thorns sticking up from that so something aesthetic has to be put up on it. They came up with a whole lot of ideas. And in the end, because of what Lee Kuan Yew said, the owners of Marina Bay Sands spent another $150 million and put the ship on top of Marina Bay Sands, which has become iconic. They're not only from a design point of view, but also from a feng shui point of view. So as you go around Singapore, you will find Singapore many, many of the buildings of feng shui. I've seen stories there of uh, a bank building, um, its building and a second bank building, a building with its corners pointing at the first bank. The corner is an arrowhead in feng shui. And within a year, the first bank going out of business, going bankrupt. 
So fascinating things happen if you don't get your feng shui right. So in your environment, let's have a look at some feng shui principles just to introduce these to you. Now you can read this. I'm not going to read this all for you, but this is really just some home tips because most of you are working from home at least some of the time. So if you look at the, the pyramid here down the bottom, you've got a stagnant energy. This is where your home's actually working against you. So there's like zero energy, if anything, negative energy here. Then perhaps you've moved from stagnant to a stuck energy. So it just doesn't feel quite right. So in other words, it's just a house. It's not a home. So the energy is pretty low. Now, you know, I know with the people that we have on these type of calls that, you know, it would be very rare to have people in these bottom two from a housing point of view because they're just think at a different level but you know just watch some of the shows on television you'll see a bunch of stagnant energy homes on reality tv we move to the top we're in a shifting perspective here which is the home is a bit feeling supportive and it's almost like you're ready for breakthrough and then you've got a home that's flowing now you may want to take a screenshot of this because what I want to show you next is how it looks in reality from a home perspective. Um, now, I would suggest, no, I would suggest here some people are probably going to immediately flick off their cameras or change their backgrounds because I go, ah, is my house like this? Is this where I am? No, don't, don't do that at all. Um, that's not the idea here in any shape or form. But uh, the idea here is to show you how subtle the differences are from um, actually having something that is basically um, something that's not working for you to something that is working for you. So let's go. So in number one up here at the top left, that is your home working against you. That is stagnant energy. Whereas number two, which seems to be in the top right, which seems to be in some semblance of order, this is actually quite a bit stuck energy. So it's sort of like, I don't quite know what to do with things. I've got these few books. I'll put them there. When was the last time you ever picked them up, right? Probably never, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's sort of, it's not stagnant, but it's stuck. The third one there is this is a shifting energy. So we've set up a nice workstation here. It's ergonomic. We've got light. We've got the plants, Andrew, as you said before. So it's, it's good, right? You know, it's a good workspace. But then number four, you know, he's got his or she's got her vibe there with the cool LPs, right? Like to listen to some music, great aspect, you know, looking out to, to the garden there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so this is really fantastic way to actually, you know, have an office set up. So when you look at this, what you'll notice is, this is subtle differences. It's, you know, and looking at, you know, if you look around your workspace right now where you're at, this is really managing those subtle differences and trying to put yourself in, in, a, in an environment where you have some aspect that you can look out on, where you have a nice workstation, where you don't have anything there that's really not necessary or that you haven't, you know, don't at least use once every couple of weeks or something like that, um, then that would be a good way to start to set up your, your workplace. Now, I know many of you will say, 
oh, but I've got all my reference books around me and I've got this and I've got that. You know, the bottom line is you have to like it, right? So this is not Mike telling you what to do. This is Mike giving you some aspects of feng shui. So you have to be comfortable in your space. But if you're not comfortable in your space, then use what you're getting here as a, as a signal to maybe this weekend, change your office around, rebuild your workspace. It, if you do that, you're going to feel so much better. Let's move on. So here's some tips from a feng shui perspective. And I've tried to keep this light, but I do want to give you a couple of big ones, all right? So if you look here, directions are very, very important in, in energy. So what's at your north? First, you have to know what's at your north and south from a home perspective, etc. So, you know, we're very lucky at our north, um, basically, is the entrance to our home, which is a good place to have an entrance to your home is in the north. And we're also lucky that our fireplace in our home is in the south, which is a good place to have a fireplace. So... If you look at where wood should be placed, where any metal should be placed, where any earth should be placed in your home, these are really representative, but they're strong um, principles of feng shui. They're strong principles of being at one with the natural flow. So again, you know, feel free to ask me any questions later on or put any question in the chat or something like that. I'm not a feng shui master. I did study it 20 years ago um, in Singapore. So um, I did probably a week's course in it. So I, I understand the basics and every property I've ever designed, I've designed from a feng shui perspective. So one of the most important things, and this is what I want to give you a tip for, um, definitely, is the bedroom in your house and the front door of your house. Now, you may not be able to change these, but you can definitely change them somewhat. So if your front door faces the road, money will pour out of your house. So you definitely have to have your front door not facing the road. Now, what that means is that if your front door faces the house, and of course you don't want to actually move your front door because you feel that that's not viable to do so, or maybe it's not your house, maybe you're renting, then from that aspect, get some greenery around the front door which will um, act and some earth, so earth and trees around the front door which will actually help things settle down and money not to flow out of there. Also, your bedroom door shouldn't be facing directly onto the bottom of your bed because all your energy during the night will pour out the door. So if you can, move the location of your bed in the room. If you can't, hang a crystal basically somewhere between your bed and the door and that will reflect the energy back to you. Simple stuff, take it or leave it, believe it or don't. But if you ask the ancient Chinese masters, they will, um, any suggested uh, resources? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Philip. Um, Lillian Tu, T-O-O, is probably the biggest feng shui master in, in Malaysia. So she has a myriad of books and resources. But I would suggest if you just look at some basic feng shui models for the house, they don't differ much online, right? This is pretty, pretty old technology. Um, so if you just go and do that, I think you'll you'll find some good things. But if you want to dig into it, um, one of the, any of the Singaporean feng shui masters or, or Lillian would be great. Okay, let's move on.
So the next part is what do you allow into your environment? So I've got three things here that we as a human race are generally allowing in. And it's disrupting our environment totally, which disrupts your ability to keep focus, which disrupts your ability to achieve. The first one is really what we're putting in our mouths, okay? You've heard it before. I'm not going to go into health spiel, but processed food is just not going to help you from an energetic or environment point of view. The more whole foods you can eat, the more juices, the more um, tea, coffee, but not processed foods, right? Um, those processed foods create clogs in your brain and other parts of your body. We all know this, but this is a good reminder. The second one is, look, it's a kid, but toxic people, people screaming, um, environments with lots of noise, friends that are toxic, um, people who want to bring you down, people who want to constantly distract you and get you to go and play golf rather than being at work or go for a beer or something like that. And of course, the big one on the right there is the one that we've all fallen foul of um, is our phones and social media. You have to control that, particularly notifications. You know, notifications are waking some of you up in the middle of the night in your most precious hours for sleep. Notifications are interrupting you when you're just coming up with your brightest idea that you've had in two years. You know, according to Rescue Time, we pick up our phone an average of every six minutes during a day. Every six minutes, we're picking up our phone. You know, we need to build a different relationship with our phones. They're a tool for us. They're not a crutch for us. So calm down on the processed foods. Get rid of as many toxic people as you can, including clients out of your life. And just don't sit on your phone as much as you do and don't send push notifications to your phone. So here's my next question for you that you can go to the chat with. What do you guys do to control your environment, to take control of your environment? I mean, look at the picture here. Here's a woman trying to do work and feed her children at the same time. This would be a pretty typical situation happening somewhere in the world right at the moment. So what are you doing to control your own environment? Let's see what you guys are saying in the chat. I'll be interested to see what you come up with. And for those of you that are listening here and uh, not watching the visuals, this is what we're about to call uh, dead air as we're waiting for people to come up in the chat. So... <laughs> Philippe says, I'm trying to declutter, started in January with the workshop. That's great. Okay, very, very good. Turn off notifications. Yeah, great. And Philip, I don't know whether you had notifications on before or not. That's a good thing. Natasha, welcome to the call, Natasha. Uh, mindset, mindset, mindset plus scheduling. Interesting. So... I know our mindset is to, we've got to constantly improve our mindset and I'm not against that. I'm all for it. But I think we have to take some actions as well. Sometimes the smallest actions can have the biggest result. Sometimes just cleaning out your wardrobe on a weekend 
can give, give us such a good result. So Matthew, hi, and welcome to the call, Matthew. Um, I let my mind and body tell me what it feels like doing and focus on that, even with deadlines around. I let my mind guide me instead of the human-made concept of time. You know, I think that's, that's a really good way to do it. And I think some people would probably scoff at that. But honestly, I think that's probably a real key to this. Arnie says, my phone is always on silent and I limit my uh, social media to 30 minutes a day. Fantastic. <laughs> and she puts there max, right? So that's true. I actually have a setting on my phone for 15 minutes. Um, so once I've been on Facebook for 15 minutes, it turns my Facebook off. So, um, so it's good to see we're all doing some things. Diane, I only look at emails first thing in the morning, me too. And last thing at the end of the day, unless I'm working on quotes. I tend to do the same thing. I still meet all my deadlines though, thankfully, says Matthew. Very true. You will. Um, I do a declutter every six months, says Kirsten. If I don't use something, I donate or toss it. My phone is on silent when I get home. No push notifications for any app. Sharing responsibility at home. Okay, great. So we've got some things there. That's very, very good that we're doing some things to control our environment. So... Let me ask you this question then. How do you not control, but how do you enhance your emotional and spiritual environment? How do you nurture your own emotional and spiritual environment? Let's go to the chat now and let's see how people are enhancing their spiritual and emotional environment. Oh, we've got some people fast off the, the pace. Oh, one word for leap, meditation. Fantastic word. That's great. Breathing and gratitude. Thank you, Matthew. Um, yeah, keeping a gratitude journal is something fantastic for people to do as well. Uh, let's see what else comes up. Going for a run. Yeah, definitely, Paula. I think that would de-enhance my spiritual and emotional environment. But, you know, I think that's very important for, for you and for other people that really enjoy that, um, that sort of exercise. Well done. So the thing is that you have to have something that does enhance your spiritual and emotional environment. Taking a walk in nature, Andrew. Yep, very, very true. And, you know, some cities are set up for this. You know, even busy cities like Kuala Lumpur, for instance, has more parks in it than any other city in the world. So, I mean, even though it's a, a thriving metropolis, your ability to go and walk in nature there is, is phenomenal. Natasha says meditation, spirituality, centering, exercise, healthy eating, sleep, hydration. That's a great one to mention uh, there, Natasha, and hydration. So well done. Okay, so let's, uh, let's move on because there are some other tips that I've got for you. You control your environment. You control the way in which you meditate, how long and what types of meditation. You control your holidays. You know, when people say to me, it's the first holiday I've taken in five years, I sort of go like, huh? Right? You control your holidays. And, uh, you know, I was telling Philippe last week about a guy in Australia, Dr. John Tickell, who's 20, it'd be longer than 20, actually, Philippe, it'd be 30 years ago, shared with me at a conference I was at a recipe for basically keeping sane. And I mentioned it to Philippe last week, and I'll mention it to, to you guys now because I've lived by it. The years you have three weekends a year 
that you go away with your whole family, including the children. Take the kids, go have a nice family weekend away. Then you have three weekends where just you and your spouse go away. You leave the children with somebody else. And then you have three weekends a year where you go away, just you. And you think and you plan and you spend time in your environments and you meditate. This is, I, I did that for years as I was telling Philippe and it was just such, and I was in corporate at the time I was doing it. It was just such a really, really good way to do things. Next one, you control your workspace. Your workspace doesn't control you. You control your workspace. You control the amount of interruptions you have. You control whether you're taking calls, whether you're not taking calls, whether your office door is open, whether it's not open, you know, et cetera. Whether you look at WhatsApp every time a notification comes through, you control that. You control your clients. You control when you deliver for them. You control how you deliver for them. You control the extent of what you're going to deliver to them. You control your social media, how much you post, how little you post, whether it's blogs, vlogs, pogs, dogs, frogs, whatever it is that you're doing on social media, you control that. You control the music that you listen to. And a lot of people underestimate the power of music in, in, in putting forward their own personal environment. You control the food you eat and you control the exercise that you do. And this is not an exhaustive list. It's just that there before I was at the end of the page, but there's some of the big ones that you can control. So control in, Andrew says, control in a corporate workspace is a huge issue that organizations need to deal with. It's one of the environmental, functional and psychological aspects that most organizations don't deal with. Absolutely, they don't deal with control in a corporate workspace. Very, very true. Lucky they've got you. And then just finally, before we go to any, um, any input from anybody, you know, the way Lundy and I tend to control our environment is a combination of regular holidays, that's top left, um, animals, just being at one with nature and animals, top right, music for me, bottom left, big way I control my emotional and spiritual state, and right, our office environment. So the way in which we create our office environment and whether it's cluttered, decluttered, all of that sort of stuff, because that's our, our workspace, whether it be at the office, which you're looking at there, or whether it be at, at home as well. So, Andrew, I want to go to you just before we, um, we round off the call and just uh, give us some input on what is happening in terms of, you know, the corporate world at the moment with um, environments. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I think the issue is... is as I sort of pointed out in the last thing, it's environmental. I mean, how do you set up a workspace that is a healthy workspace? I think one of the things that COVID has taught us all that, you know, it's not necessarily that healthy to be in close proximity to everybody else. Um, but as human, as human beings, we are social animals. And I think we're starting to have gone the other way. Now that with isolation, we're all suffering from mental issues, and I think that's a, an issue. The functional space is fairly straightforward, you know, making sure you've got a good chair, a good desk, good lighting, et cetera. But the psychological aspects are also very important. And this idea of control, choice, does the corporate environment reflect the values, all of those type of things. Um, and along with the physical aspects, obviously, is, our, is management mature enough to allow these things to, to happen? Or are we going to go 
and revert back to the old style workspace. I think we've got to move past that. Uh, I sincerely hope we've moved past that, um, but it's very much up in the air at the moment. Okay, very, very good thoughts. Th thanks for those. And, um, you know, it's interesting because you picked up something there that I missed in my talk. And, and that is, you know, do you have a good workspace? Do you have a good chair to sit on? Do you have a good desk, et cetera, et cetera? Um, so, you know, these are important things when you're, when you're managing your own space because, you know, it's nice to work sitting on the couch. There's no doubt about that. But if you work sitting on the couch for the next two months, you'll probably end up with some aches and pains in, in places you never thought you'd have them before. So thank you so much for that. Let's go to uh, generally anybody who would like to make any comments, any suggestions, or share anything that particularly works for them in controlling their environment and managing their environment. That looks like a no from me. So I'm gonna say thank you very, very much from being on, on the call today. As I said at the start of this call, this is a very simple topic in that you know, there's no formulas in here or anything like this, but it is probably a topic that has more to do with your success than most of the things that we talk about on our Tuesday uh, webinars. Uh, I wish you all the best for the week. We look forward to seeing you next week uh, when we have another fantastic guest on. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Bye-bye.